We are outside today, and uh, if we ever have a Sunday where it's weather's kind of nasty, we're gonna figure out how to meet inside. Uh, so don't ever think, ah, oh, it's too cold. If it is that cold, we're gonna just move our tables around, couches, and just kind of spread out, and basically sit in the living room and the dining room at the same time, and I'll sit kind of, I mean, stand in the hallway, and we can see everybody, and because we have a hole in our wall, so. Praise God. Praise God for holes in walls, right? Very good. Hey, uh, we have been in a We Believe series. Uh, we're going over some foundations. Today is We Believe Jesus Christ is true God and true man. Jesus lived a sinless life, died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, arose bodily from the grave, and ascended to heaven where he is our advocate. Amen. Woo! So grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And when we get there, when you get there, we'll we'll begin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Uh, we may go a little further. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and then he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, even though some have fallen asleep. Now, Paul is writing to the Corinthians. They're a little weak in their faith, and he reminds them about the gospel. And I want to do that very thing this morning. I want to remind us about what the gospel is, because when we talk about Jesus, he is the essence of the gospel. So I've asked the wiper board to be put back up. Now, this is our world today. But our world is like an egg and it's broken. Can you say broken? broken. It is broken. And so we'll just put up broken right here. Now, there are many, many ways people have tried to escape brokenness. They try to escape, oh, they might try to find uh, peace and purpose and tranquility in acquiring wealth. Does that work? No. no. No, and they crash back. Okay, well, maybe that was just the wrong way to escape the brokenness. And you know what comes with brokenness? Guilt. Sin. Sickness. By the way, wouldn't you want to escape that? So let's try to, oh, you know what? I'm going to have, I'm going to have a relationship save me. I'm going to marry the right person. I'm going to have the right family. I'm going to have the right bank account. I'm going to live in the right place. Is that going to save you from your brokenness? Hey, guess what? You crash. And you can't seem to, to break from the brokenness. Now let's, dis let's define some brokenness. What are some fruits of the world? 
that we so love. Sarcasm. <laughs> Anger, malice, wrath, rage, discontentment. Do you kind of see that in our world today? Yes. Burger? Yes. So you see the fruit of the flesh is what we're trying to, to, to escape. There's brokenness. What's another way people try to escape besides wealth, drugs, addictions, right? And guess what? Crash. Now, that's our world. But when God created the world, we'll just put God up here. He said it was good. In fact, he said it was what? Very good. And he did it out of love. But that's not the world we live, but this is God's design. Now, starting with our ancestors, we have all tried to run away from God towards the world. We think it's better over in the broken part. But what does sin do? Separates us from God's design. It it separates us from God. And beginning with Adam and Eve all the way, because Romans says, whoops, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Everybody is broken. Everybody is caught in this brokenness. And so there we are. But because God's great love for us, He sent who? Jesus. That's right. He sent Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something, though. Jesus isn't a part of the broken world because he's not broken. He's perfect. In fact, he came down from heaven to show us how to live. That's a book. That's writing in that. Because we didn't get to watch Jesus, but we have his word. We have his life. We have the testimony of how many people did he appear to after he was resurrected? We just read. How many? Five, over 500 people. Hard to disprove that it's a hoax when you have 500 people that go to their death, especially the 12. And so... We know that he came and taught us how to live. He gave us the, the way to live, showed us, because this is God's original design, right? Not this, but this. And Jesus came to die on the cross. That's part of the gospel message, isn't it? And of course, we have a grave, and he goes into the grave. But three days later, what happens? Ho, ho, woohoo! He's standing up. And he resurrected from the dead. And now he has ascended back into heaven. And one day, his gospel says he is going to return and bring us to be with him in God's perfect design. Amen? So the way then to escape sickness, brokenness, sin, guilt, Anger, malice, rage, brokenness, dysfunction, addiction. The only way that works is Jesus. He is the way, isn't he? 
So what do you do? How? how, how? We, we tried wealth. We tried the, the trophy wife, right? Tammy, you're my trophy wife, right? My trophy wife. I, I, we try all these ways to find purpose and meaning and break through the brokenness. And then we find out that Jesus says, whoops. He says, I want you to believe. He also says he wants us to repent. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, Jesus says, the, the scriptures, well, let's just turn there. Turn to, to Mark chapter 1, and let's look at verse 14 through 17. It's worth going there for. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the what? The gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God, and let me just put over here, K-O-G, kingdom of God, and he says, repent. What does repent mean? Stop going in that direction away from God and start going back towards God. Come under Him. Come under His authority. Go back to Him. And then it says, repent and believe. Now, if you go to verse 16 and 17, if you continue the story, because a lot of people stop there because in your Bible, there's a header. But it's still happening on the same day. The story is still unfolding because it says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. Part of the gospel message is to follow. And so we we repent we believe and now and this is where most of the american church falls flat on its face they think if they just mentally believe that jesus went to the cross that somehow they're okay but we have to follow jesus don't we we have to follow him so that's part of the gospel message because jesus is a king. In fact, he's not only a king, he is what? The king of kings. He's the king of kings. And so when we begin to follow, guess what he does? Oh, so awesome. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And he's in the process getting us ready for God's beautiful, perfect design. Amen? And how does he do that? Fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As opposed to anger, malice, rage, dysfunction, murder, envy. He starts to change us. And not only that, he gives us a gift, doesn't he? Now, you're not going to, you may like this. I hope you do, because now that we've gone here, God does this amazing thing, because He loves us so much, He sends us back. He sends us back 
so that we can start impacting the world for Jesus. Now, if you look at Mark chapter 8, in fact, let's go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Beginning at verse 27, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, Oh, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others, some one of the prophets. And then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Verse 31, we're continuing the, the narrative. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed. And after three days again, rise. Part of the gospel message is this, Christ or Messiah. To believe in the one who was spoken of and he was going to die and he was going to be resurrected. Two hours. These seven points is the gospel message. You've been invited into the kingdom of God. You repent, you believe, you follow that Jesus is the King of Kings, the Christ, and he is to... He was to die and was to be resurrected. That, my friends, is what we've referred to as the gospel. Amen? Amen. That we have a chance to escape the brokenness. Because Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we started off talking about Jesus because we believe that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man that he added humanity and he knows what it's like to walk in a broken world because he walked in the broken world even though he was not broken himself. So now I'd like to just talk about, well, let me back up the train just a little. Where are you on this? I just wanna make sure that you know where you're at on this. If you're caught still trying to break out of the world on your own strength through the world's way, maybe you're, you're suffering here. Maybe you, you have repented and believed. And, and you believe everything that the Bible says about Jesus, but this is where you're kind of stuck. This, this following. And then, or maybe you're here and you're in the process of sanctification, big word, means you're becoming like Jesus. You're becoming more like God's original design. Or maybe you find yourself, okay, I, I've completed this loop, and I understand the gospel, and now I'm going back into the world to be a voice for Jesus. But you're somewhere on that graft. And I hope that you, you realize that this is a relationship. In fact, we're, we're going to talk about the ten things that... Jesus has divine attributes about 
and not really focus on the human side because we kind of know that Jesus walked on this earth, right? That he got hungry, he wept, he, he was beat, he was killed. He, he knows, scripture says, exactly how you feel because he has been tempted in all ways yet without sin. So we can relate to Jesus. But I want to talk more now about the, the other aspect. And, uh, thank you. So Heather, would you put up slide, not the first slide, but the second slide, where Jesus holds the divine attribute of, here's the fill in the blank for those of you who are filling those out, of life. Scripture says this, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And of course, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And that is a divine attribute. You know, you read, what was uh, the gal that wrote Frankenstein? Shelley? I don't remember her first name. Mary Shelley. You know, we've always had this idea that we, humanism says, well, we can, we can create our own path. We can create life. No, 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 no. The only divine attribute of life comes from God. And Jesus, right here in John, is told that he is the life. And so he has this divine attribute of life. Second thing, and we're going to go through these fairly quickly. The second thing, Jesus holds the divine attribute of self-existence. That means that Christ was uncreated and exists by himself alone, an attribute that only God can have, the self-existent one. I, I, I don't know if you remember the I am statements of Jesus, but even just saying I am it means the self-existent one. When Moses was revealed who God is, Yahweh, who do I say is sending me to let you free from Egyptian bondage? I am the self-existent one. In John chapter 5, it says, For just as a father has life in himself, so he is granted to the son to have life in himself. And he did not become a priest based on, and this is out of Hebrews, out of a legal regulation about physical descent, but based on the power. Did you know that Jesus has an indestructible life? He can't be destroyed. He is self-existent. He, he, he is God. The third attribute of Jesus is that the Jesus holds the divine attribute of, it's a fancy word, M-U- Immutability, if I even said it right. I stumble over words, as you know. Immutability, immutability. That means Jesus is unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He does not change. Finite things change all the time. The laws of physics says that we're degrading. It says that the physical universe is always in a state of change. Jesus never, ever, ever changes. That means he's God. That's an attribute only attributed to God the Father. Now God the Son. Number four is this. Jesus holds the divine attribute of truth. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. But it's not that God chooses not to lie. 
God cannot lie because he is truth. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. Not a truth, but the truth. Again, Jesus in scripture is saying, I am God. God the Son left the splendor of heaven and thought it robbery to grasp onto who he was. And he added human flesh to him. Jesus again said, I write to the to angel of the church in Philadelphia, thus says the Holy One, the true one. Well, I thought only God could be true. That's right. That's why Jesus says, I am the truth and I am the true one. Number five is this. The Messiah holds, or Jesus holds the divine attribute of love. You know, we love John 3.16, right? We memorize as a kid, first Bible verse we probably memorize, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world, right? But then later in scripture it says in 1 John that this is how we have come to even know love, that he, Jesus, laid his life down for us. So God sent out of love, but Jesus laid his life down out of what? Out of love. Real love. Now, what about God's wrath? God's wrath is rooted in his holiness, right? It's rooted in his justice. We covered that two weeks ago. And it is out of love that there is justice. And so when scripture says God is love and Jesus loved the world that he did lay down his life, it again shows another attribute of Jesus, that he is divine. Number six is this. Jesus holds the divine attribute of holiness. God is absolutely holy absolute holiness encompassing every aspect of who he is his character in which there is no evil God can't even tempt you did you know that we're tempted when we're taken away by our own flesh and our own desire or by the tempter himself Satan or with our flesh or by the world but God himself is holy and cannot be anything other than holy and when the Luke chapter 1, it says, The angel replied to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you're going to have a child, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One will be called the Son of God. For we have come to know and believe that you are the Holy One of God. When, when Peter makes his confession, you are the Holy One of God. We know who you are. Hebrews it says this for this is the kind of high priest we need we need one that is perfectly holy innocent undefiled separated from sinners but exalted above the heavens and so Jesus is holy another only attribute that's attributed to God number seven is this God is understood to be eternal he has no beginning he has no end and the Messiah Jesus has the exact same qualifications in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was God. He's eternal. Only God is eternal. And yet here we are talking about Jesus the Son. Number eight is this. 
Jesus holds the divine attribute of omnipresence. He can be everywhere at the same time. Now, when he took on flesh, he was monopresent. He could only be in one place at one time. You understand that. But after he rose from the grave, he's no longer monopresent. Again, just like before, pre-incarnate, he's everywhere, just like God. Jesus said, hey guys, remember, I am with you until the end of the age. I don't care if you're in Africa. I don't care if you're in, in Zimbabwe or if you're in India. No matter where you are, I am there too. That is only an attribute of, of God. How about this, number nine? The Messiah holds the divine and Jesus holds the divine attribute of omniscience. He knows all things. Don't you just love it when you find Jesus in a synagogue and he looks around at everybody and he's reading everybody's mind. He knows their thoughts. We'll amplify that a thousandfold because now he's, again, no longer restricted to, to one place at one time. He knows all things. He knows what's going to happen, has happened, and will happen. He is omniscient. And then the last one is this. Jesus holds the divine attribute of omnipotence. It helps me to say omnipotent. I was ridiculed in my last church because I separated the two words out, but it helps me. Omni meaning all. And you can take a look at the last three words. Omni meaning all, and then he is omnipotent, omnipotent. It means he has complete power complete power. All authority, Jesus says, has been given to me. I have all authority. I have all power. That's only an attribute of God. When he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. That's Jesus' talk. That's Jesus talking. Can we trust Jesus to be who he says he was? Yeah, we can. The Trinity is a hard concept to understand. But we're finite. And there comes a point in your walk where you say, I don't understand how we can be three in one or how God can be three. Well, you're three in one. You have a soul. You have a spirit. You have a body. You're a, three, you're, a, you're a triune being. Did you know that? You're a triune being. So it's not that far of a jump to understand how God is a triune being. If we're made in His image, according to Genesis, then we can come to have faith that Jesus is who He says He is. He is the Son of God. And the Gospel came. He came and proclaimed the kingdom of God to repent, to believe, and to follow. And that He is the Christ and that He would be murdered for our sake. And His his sinless body took on our sin that we might be resurrected like he was. Amen. The gospel is all about Jesus. That's why in our world today, you can talk about Mohammed. You can talk about Sisera. You can talk about any name you want. I just threw that in to a few history buffs. You can talk about anybody you want to and the world be, will be okay with it. When you start talking about Jesus... Uh-oh, you've crossed the line. 
you've crossed the line. Today is the, national, the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. First Sunday in November, Voice of the Martyrs, which is an organization that funnels money and supplies and resources to closed countries. When we say closed countries, that means it's illegal to be a Christian. You are hunted down. You might not lose, uh, you may not go to jail time, but you'll lose your job. You will lose freedoms. You will lose your rights because you are considered a second-class citizen. All because they cling to the belief that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the good confession. But we have to not stop with just believing and repenting. We have to follow him. We have to cling on to the Holy Spirit. Let me go back to what we started with when we said that we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is true God and true man. He is the bridge. I know the, the, the image is gone, but He is the way. He is the bridge. He is the only thing that there is for us to escape the madness of this world. And I tell you, it's not getting better. And so you have to be grounded. The church is being shaken. People are falling away. Why? What did we say? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It said this. Get there myself. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, in which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Man, we have to hold fast. Times are coming. And I don't want, I'm not a doomsayer. I don't believe in doomsaying because I think God has this. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to sit there and wring my hands and act like the friends of Job and come to, to conclusions that are so far off based. Instead, I'm going to go back to the gospel message. I want to live in the kingdom now the kingdom of God. I want to continue to repent. I want to continue to believe. I want to continue to follow. That my hope is in the Christ, the Messiah, not in anything man can give me. And that, yes, Jesus died because that was my death. And therefore, since he took care of the payment, I can live a new life. I am a new creation in Christ. That is the gospel message. And that is what this church believes. And that is what we will preach. And I don't care who comes knocking on our door. We will be faithful to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these persecuted Christians, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ that understand what it means to have a government that is out of control. We're beginning to get a little taste of that. Don't lose faith. Continue to stand strong and firm in what God has called you to. And that the only way of escape is through Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for the gospel. Woo! How incredible, exciting it is to know that we have found the way. It may be narrow. And we may be persecuted. We may be... 
reviled for not joining in with the ways of the world, for not being woke, for not buying the lies that are just constantly slammed at us through the media to trying to manipulate us. But we will hold fast. We will hold fast to Jesus. We will hold fast to the gospel. We will hold fast to your spirit that continues to transform us. Father, we do pray for our brothers and sisters who are in chains, who are being persecuted. And Father, we thank you for their faith, for it inspires us to see them continue to grow so that we do not shrink back from the tasks that you have called us. When you send us back into the culture, it's part of the gospel message. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day and the day of joy that we have with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We love you. Thank you for rescuing us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.